0: the U.S. Fire Journal podcast. We offer views and opinions on the fire service around the world with no topic too tough to handle. Visit us at usfirejournal.com for all your fire service information. Now, here's your host, Jay. Good morning and welcome into the podcast. Today is January the 6th, the year 2022. And uh, a lot to talk about today, Um, especially uh, for a Thursday, right? Uh, Getting toward the end of the first week of January, Uh, new year, uh, same old problems though. Just a tragic story out of Philadelphia, I'm sure most of you know about it now, Fairmont, Fairmont. in, in Philly, a duplex fire killed at least 12 people. I've heard that uh, there there were actually 13 deaths, but I'm going to talk about the 12 that I'm I'm sure of this morning, including eight children. Um, for those of us who've who've been around the block for a little for a little while, we we used to hear these stories regularly. Um, seemed like uh, uh, a week didn't go by when you weren't hearing about a large loss of life and. In areas of the country, uh, it impacted every community. I, I think that these large uh, these these events, where large numbers of people, uh, especially children, have died, they've they've gone down some in part, uh, obviously due to uh, the prevalence of smoke detectors, uh, perhaps uh, more rigorous code enforcement, um, and it's just other factors that that have helped. Uh, Uh, sort of stem the tide on the the fire deaths here in the United States. Still, uh, you hear about uh, 12 people dying uh, in a fire, and it's sobering, to say the least. Um, Of course, uh, now you will have uh, all sorts of people who would try to advance their own personal interests on the backs of tragedies. We always see that as well. Why did it have to happen? You know, the first thing was, of course, what's the timeline? You know, the fire department took forever, and all this other stuff. And they didn't; they got there swiftly. Um, they were on scene within four minutes of the first call. And uh, you know, the you Philadelphia, they know how to fight fire, um, and the department there is is a uh, an outstanding fire department. Um, they know what they're doing. They protect the citizens well, and if if uh, if they didn't get uh, those people out, it was because they couldn't be gotten out. And but of course, after every tragedy, not just in Philadelphia, I don't care where it is, um, there's always uh, the shock of it. And then, of course, you have people who are looking for someone to blame. Uh, rarely is the blame ever affixed where it. 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 Uh, it. Oftentimes. Uh, needs to be laid at the feet of, and and that's the people who are responsible for children and all that. But we don't know what happened here. We don't know the whole story. What I can say is my condolences go out to the families and friends, uh, certainly to firefighters as well. Uh, This is a a tragedy. Uh, Anytime you you lose a child, let alone this number of children, it has an impact. And, uh, you know, just a horrific story. And so, you know, let's talk in general about this. Uh, what can be done? Well, obviously, the first thing is, is code enforcement. Um, of course, you know, when we're talking about code enforcement, uh, lots of people seem to have the mistaken belief that, uh, that fire marshals and so on and so forth, that they can go into private homes, tell people what to do. That's, that's not the case. Um, obviously, with your uh, multifamily dwellings, apartment homes, things like that, there are fire codes. There are building codes, so on and so forth, but the impact of all of it, it it comes down to this. Ultimately, uh, no matter what you require, uh, the occupant has to, uh, the occupant has, uh, a responsibility period. Um, you can require everything you can inspect five times a week. And if the occupant doesn't want to go along, there's nothing you can do. So what about your house? What about your area? Um, Try your best to keep it as safe as possible. Um, you know, but but let's understand something: buildings do burn. Uh, buildings with robust fire protection, um, they do catch on fire. People die. You know, people die every day. Um, so sometimes our best efforts aren't enough. But certainly we can start with code enforcement. We can start with accountability. Uh, holding those accountable who should be held accountable and not allowing it to be passed along and down the line. This can go as far as code officials, city officials, um, all the way down to parents and uh, neighbors, things of that nature. You know, the accountability, uh, it has to exist as well. And if it doesn't, then, you know, not much is going to get done. It's people who want to talk about accountability, but then they want to be held accountable. Uh, that's always an issue as well. Obviously, smoke detectors. We know that. We know that uh, smoke detectors have a huge impact. We also know that that even in 2022, you have people. You go out, you put a smoke detector in a place. You go back out, the battery's gone. People don't want to change the batteries. People will say, well, why didn't why isn't the you know why isn't the city or county or whatever why don't they come out and change the batteries? Because it's your house. Because you have to you know. It's hard to believe, it, you have to breathe on your own, too. You know, you actually have to draw in breath and, and, and all that. Um, and, and it makes me angry when you when you hear about these stories. It really does, because ultimately, um, we all bear a responsibility uh, for our own safety. Children are different. Um, adults bear the responsibility in large part for children's safety. It's why you have to teach your children There's not just one way out. You know, that used to annoy me when when you'd go and talk to a class or whatever. and, And the kids would say, oh, I know which way to get out of my house. Oh, okay, well, what happens if the stairway's blocked? And then you watch them and they're like, I have no idea. Yeah. And again, some people say, well, you can't overload the little darlings. Sure you can. Kids will surprise you. They certainly will surprise you when they go and hide, so why not let them surprise you by knowing several ways out of a bad situation? And again, I, I always go back to smoke detectors. Um, those of us who grew up at a particular time, we know what it was like just prior to smoke detectors uh, being prevalent. Um, we, we certainly uh, saw the downside and, and there is a plus side with smoke detectors. Every home should have uh, smoke detectors. And it should be something that every adult is responsible for. If, uh, you know, you want people to live, do something about it. Don't just sit there. And uh, very often I think that's what we get. We get people who are just waiting on everybody else to, uh, to take care of their situations. Ultimately, um, you can have the best fire department in the world. You can be right next door. You can have you know, two engines and a ladder in a house sitting right next door to the, to the house where people are. And ultimately, if the people who live there uh, have no, uh, no desire to, to take care of their own, it's not going to matter. Conversely, you can live 15 miles from the nearest fire station. And if people care, then by the time the fire department gets there, They will have done everything they can to get everyone out. Sometimes it just doesn't work out. But the responsibility of it lies with the people in the house, in the building, in the business. They are ultimately responsible. Once the fire department arrives, the fire department assumes responsibility for the fire. But not for the conditions that existed before. That's the part that we have to start getting right. Again um you know if if you aren't willing to say that we all carry the load in this then there are significant issues that's just the way it is um that's life that's the way it goes and uh, life goes on right it does um Here's something else, too, and I, I, I want to bring this up because I do think it's important. Interacting with children as, as firefighters can be a huge thrill for kids. It can. It, it can be a huge teaching moment. Um, I'm one of those people, and I'll admit it, and anyone who knows me is not surprised by this. Um, I'm not the kind of person who, if I see you know kids or whatever, I'm going to be all like, Hey, guys, how are you? I'm not like that. Some people are. Those people are golden. They are. The, the firefighters who love interacting and who say, you know what, this is my mission. It's great. But every firefighter has a responsibility uh, to teach. And teaching children is vital. And when we see a situation where any children die, um, then, you know, it brings home the point, I think, very well that Everybody has a responsibility to teach children. Um, Every firefighter, I should say. Oftentimes, if you're sitting in the back of the rig or whatever, you're on your way back from a call or you're on your way to a call or you're in a parade or whatever the case may be, you see kids looking at you. Just by raising your hand and greeting, lots of times you've made their day. That means that later on, When you do get a chance to speak to them or when somebody else gets a chance to speak to them, they remember that. They associate you, your action, with firefighting. Firefighting has a spectacular reputation among children. No job, not even Santa, has the type of reputation that firefighters have among children especially. Do your part to build that up. doesn't mean you have to go overboard. Sometimes it's just, as I said, raising a hand in greeting, a smile, whatever the case may be. Remember that every interaction we have with a child can pay off down the road in a positive way, in a positive way. We all share that burden as well. So again, to to those in Philadelphia who are dealing with that situation, uh, you know, what a horrible thing uh, to have to deal with. My my thoughts go out to the families and friends again and to all the uh, firefighters who've had to deal with that. Um, it's the city of brotherly love. It's a tough city with tough people. The firefighters uh, echo that well. They're very tough people and uh, my best to them as they deal with this. Had an interesting email um, about ladders, uh, about the tips of ladders and And uh, the person, uh, there's a great email. In fact, I wrote back and I said, you should write an article about this. But uh, what he's doing, he's talking about ladders and and how they paint against the sky, the tips of them, how um, he's been on on roofs that have uh, uh, obviously buildings on fire. He's been on a roof uh, multiple times. And uh, based on the tips of the ladders, he's had difficulty getting back to the ladder and actually spotting it. And he believes that uh, some sort of uh, identification, a a fluorescent paint, something of that nature uh, that uh, allows one to pick up the tips of the ladders a little bit better that it's a wise idea. He's a very compelling case, uh, very compelling argument, I should say. And again, um, and I'll say it. Now to him, just like I did in the email, do an article about it. You got a lot of great data. You know, my own feeling about that is whatever you can do, whatever it is you can do to uh, make your job and that of your fellow firefighters easier is a positive. You know, I remember uh, years ago, um, it's probably been 12, 14 years ago, maybe uh, this fire department had had just, this was when, uh, uh, apparatus color the, the the black over red was becoming popular not just in Chicago but around the country and and departments I remember one department bought a, an aerial device and, and it was uh, uh, it was a stick and completely black and they were so happy with it um, and then I guess somebody pointed out that you know in the night sky you know, it might be hard to find that tip and um, in the night sky, you know, up against a building, you know, what the ladders are basically uh, designed for. And uh, so they put some lighting up on it. Uh, the manufacturer did, and, and they had these lights and all, which are great. Lights are awesome as long as they never go out uh, during that particular time when you need to use it at that moment. So I am. I'm aware of, of, uh, of how sometimes the aesthetic of something wins out over function. And that's unfortunate. And it, it happens in everything, but it especially happens uh, in the fire service where, of course, m- people are oftentimes concerned with, with uh, how the rig is going to look in a parade or in a photo shoot. As opposed to saying, okay, this thing is going to have to save people's lives, including the people who ride on it. Um, what can we do to make sure that, that this thing meets uh, all of our needs because ultimately, in the hierarchy of needs of a fire department, um, the aesthetic is way down on the bottom. You're, you're not building, you're not building phones. You're not building uh, structures that you want to win awards. It's a fire truck. Nobody likes an ugly fire truck. I mean, you don't. You know, I I ride around sometimes where I live, and and I'm forced to look at these fire trucks that go by, and they're hideous. I mean, they are. You know, they might as well be a coke truck you know it might as well be a a cola delivery truck um that's about as much of a fire to par, or as much as it looks like a fire apparatus as one of those but the bottom line is is that you can get past that as long as long as uh as long as the rig can do the job you know as long as this this aerial device can do the job and the engine can do the job so aesthetics yeah i mean i get it we all do um you know, there's an old commercial where I used to live, and it, it uh, said, you know, God don't love ugly, so don't buy ugly cars or trucks. And it's a funny commercial, or was back then. This was in the early 80s. It was funny. I laughed. Uh, but at the same time, uh, we have to put aesthetics in its proper place. When it comes to life safety, it should never trump uh, life safety. Nothing should trump that. And here I'm talking about civilian lives and firefighter lives. Unfortunately, that does happen. I have listened to guys who want to spec apparatus. Um, I've listened. I've talked to people who have spec apparatus. The thing they're most excited about, oftentimes, the graphics on the truck. You know, they're like, "Man, where do you see this?" And I'm like, "Cool." And and they have a really neat design, and it's a cool design. But that's their big thing about the truck. Yeah, we're going to put this right here, and you're like, "Yeah, it does look good." but why'd you buy this size ladder when you have these buildings over here? And that's when you get the look of, you know, people looking around and going, well, I don't know, what do you mean? You know, here's the thing. And I was told this by uh, a person who has spec'd a lot of apparatus. Um, he said he loves going to different towns. He'll pull up to a fire department, walk in, just talk with the guys about the rig. He said he can tell right away whether the people who specced it knew what they were doing. And, you know, he, he told me all about it, and I agree. I can always tell as well. You can, too, if you just think about it. I love talking to people who say, man, this is a great fire truck. This truck fits all of our needs. And then you start asking questions, and you watch them start flailing in their answers. And, well, but that doesn't matter. Well, yeah, but, I mean, when's the time? When will we ever use that? Then you start realizing that it's the blind leading the blind. And... uh that's not good when it comes to, to public safety. Just isn't. Um, you know, the, the bottom line is functionality. Is it functional? Will it last? And uh, how serious is your city, your town, or county, whatever the case may be, how serious is it committed to to serious firefighting? So yeah, when when you're looking at, at ladders, especially, um, you're on a roof. Uh, the most important thing when you're on a roof is ability to get off the roof at a moment's notice, right? I mean, we, we, if you, you can wrap your head around that pretty easily. If you're on the ground and you need to run because something's coming down or there's an event, typically we take off running. When you're on a roof, you don't have that luxury. You can't get to the ground to begin running until you get off the roof, so it makes sense that we want to know where the tips of these ladders are. And, and I already can hear some people saying, well, I'll know where it is because I'm the one that threw it up and I'm going to look at that ladder and I'm going to know right where it is. And that's great from, from an awareness standpoint. But let's say you're on a roof and you start moving around. Is there only one ladder thrown to the roof? Is that a rule? How about as many ladders as possible thrown to the roof if you have people operating up there? Therefore, you need to be able to see where the tips of those ladders are. And oftentimes, not always, oftentimes it can be made more difficult based on uh, all of the above, the smoke, the time of day, uh, you know, what's burning. I mean, let's face it. We, we all know what it's like to, uh, what, what happens when you see something where, uh, you know, tires are burning. It, that's dark thick black smoke coats everything. It does. And that's gonna look different than, than if you know a small area of wood is burning. It just is, it looks completely different. So all these things matter. So yes, being able to get off the roof, being able to pinpoint, and again, we can all sit here and say, well, I'm gonna know where that ladder is because I just came up it. Maybe that ladder fell over. Maybe you're now on the other side of the roof. It doesn't matter. Bottom line is, you need to be able to spot the, the ladder so you can get off of the roof. So, yes, I think it's a good idea. Um, of course, lots of people will say, no, nah, it's not a good idea. We want all our trucks to look uniform, which is always one of my favorite things to watch people say that. Um, and it's like, where are you from? You know, where, where did you learn how to fight fire? You know, I mean, seriously. If you think the situations are always going to be the same, always, then I fear for the people who work under you, because they're not. Situations are not always the same. It's the same people who will tell you time and again, well, we don't have to worry about that, about a 15-story building because we don't have one. Mutual aid, you ever heard of that? People come in and build. Just because you don't typically go on a mutual aid call doesn't mean that you never will go on a mutual aid call. You see, that's the key. It's why uh, people who don't deal with any sort of high rises at all, at all, they should be learning about high rise buildings. It's not something that you can just go, yeah, well, we'll never have that here. Really? Maybe in some areas you're absolutely right, and maybe you're saying, okay, well, you know what? I'm gonna bet that we don't. Maybe you win that bet. But if you lose that bet, do you really want that loss to be pinned on the fact that you were too stubborn and are ignorant to to want to learn, I wouldn't think so anyway. So, go do it. You know, learn about it. Um, Also received an email. um, Actually received quite a few. I'm going to use one as an example um, uh, that uh, was uh, questioning the uh, wisdom of, Uh, of advancing, or excuse me, of doing search and rescue without a hose line, without the benefit of a hose line. And uh, I guess it came from a podcast a while back, Um, but it's it's a pretty well-written email as well, although I disagree vehemently with the points made in it. Um, The first of which is uh, firefighters should not be exposed to any danger unless there is a life safety hazard that is immediately apparent. Well, here's the thing about that, immediately apparent. That's a really poor choice of words. It's a poor choice of words, and it betrays a level of ignorance about firefighting that's a little bit staggering. When you get a call, and, and it's 2 a.m. in the morning, 0200, and you get a first alarm assignment. Four engines, two trucks, rescue. And, uh, you know, first do pulls up, and, and, and uh, you have a commercial building that's burning. First thought is, you know, I I guess if 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 there's no life hazard immediately present that that you can think of, then, well, it's a business at two in the morning. Surely businesses aren't open all night. And and I guess part of that is saying, and you know what, if they are, oh, well, it's writing people off. There are people who work all night. There are Um, there are people who sleep at home during the daytime. So. The ignorance of immediately apparent, there's no life hazard immediately apparent. Well, you can't run a fire department on, on that type of wisdom. In fact, lack of wisdom. It's, it's idiocy. You just can't do it. The bottom line is you're called to a place. You don't know whether there's life, there's a life there or not. And ultimately, that's your chief. That is your chief objective is to save lives. Chief objective. Yes, firefighter lives, but citizens. And if, if you don't want to take the chance, if you don't want to take the risk, if you don't want to, to be counted among those who look at, at firefighting as something that is, you know what? Sometimes we have to put our lives on the line to save other lives. If you don't want to participate in that, then by all means, go somewhere else. Please, please go somewhere else. Because here's the thing. Lives have been saved where there was no uh, no life hazard immediately apparent. Immediately apparent, that means that you're not even taking into account a primary search. You're not even concerned about a primary search. I guess if you pull up to a house and nobody's hanging out of a window, if they're in their bed asleep, you're not going in and getting them. You know why? It's not immediately apparent. It is... A level of ignorance that is above and beyond uh, normal ignorance. You know, and I get it. Some places, the firefighters simply don't want to do it. They don't. And and I would have to agree with a, a really prominent fire service uh, veteran instructor who's from a department that fights a lot of fire who says, you know what? If you're scared, just say you're scared and go home. There's nothing wrong with being scared. There is something wrong with making a determination not to give any effort toward saving a life or toward even finding out if if there's life safety hazards present. It is, for all intents and purposes, the betrayal of the fire service. It, It really is. It is an absolute betrayal of everything that the fire service has been built on—the giants on whose shoulders you stand. It is a tremendous betrayal. You pull up to a house and it's 1,200 square feet, and it's the fires blowing out of every window. And I, we understand—everybody understands—what it means to know that a building, at least. From the first arrival appears to be, uh, you know, you can't support, there's no support of life. But even then, you knock the fire down, you get in and you search. Why? Because we have hope that there are people there. Don't try to explain away a level of cowardice by saying that, yeah, it's not a survivable situation. Because frankly, it's it becomes apparent what it really is after you talk to people. Firefighting is not for everyone. It's not. Some people, you know, they like the idea of firefighting, but they don't want to put their life on the line. And I get it completely. I do. Then don't do it. Go do something else. There's no shame in it. You know, there are people that, hey, let's face it. If, if, uh, if you had to stick a gun in their hand and they had to crawl down a tunnel and, and try to get somebody, they don't want to do it. And I get that, too. Don't do it. You don't want to be a deep sea diver? Don't do it. You don't want to fly jets? Then don't do it. But here's the thing. If you decide to do it and then you say, yeah, I'm not doing this particular thing because it scares me. Yeah, you've already betrayed yourself. You've, uh, period. Period. You may say, I don't want to do it. I don't like doing it. In fact, that's probably the last thing I want to do. But if I'm ordered to do it, I got to go do it. You know what that is? That's adulthood. That's facing up. All of us have things we don't want to do. And in the end, we end up doing them. We're cautious. Yes. Scared? Absolutely. Committed to doing it? Yeah, you have to be. And if you're not, look for something else. No shame in that game, period. That's going to do it for today. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition. Until then, stay safe.